0: Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Tim. What's up, everybody? Come on, somebody give Jesus some praise in this place. Anybody excited to be in God's house? Let me ask you this. Have you thanked the Lord today? Sometimes you can look around and go, Man, life is not great. (laughs) But one thing is for sure, God is always great. And I think it's a good habit to just take time every day to stop and just say, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for my family. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my health. We've got a lot to be thankful for. So one more time, just thank the Lord his goodness in your life. I am so excited because we're kicking off a new series today that we are calling the kingdom. And I'm very excited uh, because we're going to go pretty deep, I think, into the word of God. And we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about the kingdom. But before I get there, I want to say how delighted I am that you are here. If you're a guest with us, we want to say thank you so much for being here. Be sure to stop by our guest central, which is just right outside the doors and then hang the right, go all the way down. You'll see it. It's like a room with a big yellow wall. And we want you to go get some cookies, lemonade, a free gift. You know how many first time guests I've seen there multiple times (laughs) (laughs) just for the cookies and the lemonade (laughs) but we're so delighted that you're here please please make yourself at home and those that are joining us online thank you so much for being with us I believe that God's got a word for us today so grab your Bibles how many Bibles do we have in the house hard paperback Bibles phone Bibles how many love your Bible I love you, Bible. I love the Bible. All right, Matthew chapter 13. I've got a lot of ground to cover, and I'm going to try to do it in as much time as I have. All right, Matthew chapter 13, verse number one says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Now why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus, he answered them, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. That says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. We're gonna, for the next several uh, weeks, I don't even know how long we're gonna go, but we are gonna get into this series on the kingdom. And what you're gonna find. In the next few weeks as we discuss the kingdom is we're going to talk about the secrets of the kingdom but in order to understand the secrets of the kingdom we have to understand the kingdom so today i want to kick off our series with this title understand the kingdom understand the kingdom let's pray heavenly father we thank you so much For your goodness and mercy, I pray that as we dig into your word, that you would give us ears to hear, heart to receive, and a mind to understand. Help us to have the right heart to understand the secrets of the kingdom. Do what only you can do. Move as only you can move. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, amen. 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 One more time, give Jesus some praise in the building. The kingdom. I want to talk about concepts. Concepts are abstract ideas or thoughts that we have inherently. And concepts also can be um, phrased as understanding. And our concepts or our understanding are those things that determine your thoughts, principles, and beliefs. And what you think about something, what you understand about something, what your concept is of something will determine how you interact with that something. And your concepts or your understanding is largely informed by your environment. It's informed by Uh, Your friends, your family, your socioeconomic environment, your geographical location. But all of us have concepts and uh, ideas and sometimes we have misconceptions about things. And sometimes we have misunderstandings about things. But whatever your concept or your understanding or your conception is, when you interact with something, it will determine how you interact with it. In other words, if you have a a misunderstanding about somebody based on something that you learned, isn't it funny how you treat somebody some kind of way based on your misunderstanding? Has anybody ever had that happen to you? Where somebody treats you some kind of way and you're trying to figure out, why in the world are you treating me this way? This is the first time we met. It's because they have a concept about you based on something that they heard about you. This is also true of God and his word. Our concepts or our understanding of God and his word affects and determines how we interact with God and his word. Based on whether it's a good concept or a, a bad concept. Whether you have a misconception or a misunderstanding or the right conception or understanding. Whatever your concept is, whatever your understanding is of God and his word, when you interact with him, that's how you treat him. And this is especially true of the kingdom of God. And there's a lot of misconception about the kingdom of God. And, and, and one of the, I think, most detrimental things within the church is our misconception about the kingdom. Because most people approach the kingdom of God with a democratic concept. They approach the kingdom of God with a democratic understanding or a democratic mindset. The problem is a democratic concept, when, when you think about a democratic way about the kingdom of God, you will start believing that you have a vote In the authority of God and his rules. The problem with a democratic concept is that if you don't like what God is saying, you think that you can change it by legislation. The the problem is if you approach the kingdom of God with a democratic concept, you will think that you can rebel against God and his word without consequences. And and the reason why most people approach the kingdom of God with a democratic concept is because most of us live in a democracy, a, a democratic political environment. And so what ends up happening is if you don't like your government, you feel like if we all get together, we can just vote them out. The problem is when you bring that mindset into the kingdom of God. And you start thinking about the kingdom of God from a democratic view, which is like, if if I don't like what God has to say, then if enough of us get together, we can rewrite our own laws. Oh God. And so what ends up happening is, people who have a democratic mindset will gravitate toward people that agree with their concepts. The ancient Greeks were the first ones that created a democracy. And so the Greek word, or the Greek word for democracy is really two Greek words. One is demos, which means people, and kratos, which means rule. So when you think about a democracy, a democracy is people rule. And, And the problem with that mindset is that all government and legislation in a democracy is in the power of the people. And and the reason why this is very detrimental to your relationship with God is if you have a democratic concept or mindset or a misunderstanding about the kingdom of God, whenever you don't like something that God does, you will think that you have the option to do something else. Oh, God. Miles Monroe, he's a phenomenal teacher on the kingdom of God. Go check out any of his stuff on the kingdom. This is what he says. If your concepts are wrong, your conclusions are wrong. Yeah. And if your conclusions are wrong, your theology is wrong. Yeah. You know how many churches are filled with people that have misconcepts, misinformation, misunderstandings about the kingdom, and their whole relationship with God is misinformed because they don't understand the kingdom. Can I tell you that God and His kingdom is not a democracy? God is not asking us for our opinions on whether or not he should rule and reign. The Bible has been written. God is not like, hey, so you didn't like that part. So if you get enough people, I'll erase it. But how many people will ignore the rule book of the kingdom because it doesn't agree With their concept of what they think their life should be like. Oh, my Lord. Did you know the kingdom concept was invented by God? God, the Bible says, is king of kings. He's lord of lords. So so let me explain real quickly the kingdom of God uh, in, in very short term. The kingdom of God has to do with the rule and reign of God over all things. In other words, there is nothing that is in existence that doesn't uh, exist under the sovereignty and the supremacy of God. God in heaven at some point decided, I'm going to create a domain called earth and I'm going to set it here in space. Earth is the domain of the kingdom of God. So then God creates Adam and Eve in his image and likeness. Image bearers in my old day. And God says, I'm gonna take these image bearers and put them in earth To be kings and queens in my domain. This is, if you ever watched a movie with a monarchy, you know this is how it works. When you have a king who rules over everything, he establishes demi-kingdoms and he puts kings there and they all are subject to him and his authority, right? And this is exactly what happens with Adam and Eve. They're created in the image and likeness of God to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish the earth, subdue it and have dominion. This is a kingdom term. God says, I want Adam and Eve to have dominion on my behalf in earth. But we know what happens. Satan rebelled against the kingdom of God. And when he did, he thought, he had a democratic mindset. He thought, I don't like what God has to say, so I'm going to create my own kingdom. And God said, <laughs> he flicked him out of heaven. Satan comes down to earth, now he's having a conversation with Eve, who is supposed to be the queen representing the kingdom of God, and he convinces her to rebel against the king of kings, and when she does, she commits treason along with Adam, and when they committed treason against God, God wasn't like, oh, okay, never. let's change this, let's make this more of a a voting, a democracy, if y'all don't like these rules, I'll change it for y'all, and we can coexist, God says, I will not compete. With any other kingdoms. And when they committed treason, God says, You out of my garden. And since that time, earth has been under the rule and dominion of darkness. This is why the Bible calls Satan the prince of the power of the Air. Also calls him the God of this world. Also calls him the prince of darkness. So earth has fallen then in rebellion against the kingdom of God. And yet God still interacts with those who are willing to come back to the true king. So God starts selecting those throughout the earth. That's what the children of Israel were. God takes the people out of, out of this rebellious earth. God takes the people and says, hey, I want you to be the agency by which I will redeem Earth back to me. But they keep rebelling against God. And God doesn't do well with rebellion. So, so then they finally fall into exile. The monarchy of the Jews, the representation of the kingdom of God, has fallen into the hands of others. And for years, for several hundred years, the prophets begin to prophesy that there's coming a time when there will be a Messiah. There will be a king. There will be a coming king who will redeem us back to the kingdom. This is where Jesus steps in. Because when Jesus comes, this is, what, this is the message that John begins to preach as Jesus is getting ready to arrive. He says, repent for the, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And everybody's like, all right, finally. Because remember, all the Jews are familiar with the prophecies. They're expecting some, some person to ride in on a white horse with armor. They, they expect that this person is going to overthrow the Roman Empire and crush the Greeks. They expect that the Jews are going to be elevated back to their glory days of when David was king. They expect this king to come and, 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 and present this physical kingdom. And then Jesus comes and they're thrown off because he's not coming on a white horse he comes wrapped in swaddling clothes laying in a manger his parents running for their lives to save him and yet we see Jesus then going into the wilderness this is after he was baptized he goes into the wilderness he comes out of the wilderness and this is what Jesus says he echoes the same message that John does he says repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand So now everybody begins to pay attention to Jesus because maybe he is the one that is about to redeem. The word redeem or reclaim means to bring back to. So when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the Jews begin to think he is about to reclaim, uh, uh, redeem us back into the kingdom of God. And yet they're wondering how he's going to do it. Can I just teach 109 times in the New Testament, you will find the phrase, the kingdom. 39 of those times are in the book of Matthew because Matthew begins to show us what the kingdom is all about. So everybody is wondering, how is Jesus about to usher in the kingdom? And you can use the word, the kingdom of God, or the phrase, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven interchangeably. But they're all wondering, how is he going to do it? And Matthew starts writing about it. And this is what Matthew does in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. He's about to tell us how God's going to bring the kingdom. He says, and he went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among The people, Jesus brought about the kingdom through the medium of seeing and hearing. He didn't have a sword. He didn't have a shield. He didn't have a spear. The way that Jesus brought in the kingdom is through the eyes and through the ears. This is why when you look at the three year ministry of Jesus, what did he do most? He taught so people could hear. And he worked miracles so people could see. Did you know that the reason that you are a believer is because something happened in your world where you either saw something that was otherworldly or you heard something that was otherworldly? How many of you, you you heard a word from God, you didn't really understand the word, the, the sermon didn't really make sense, you don't remember the passage, but something about what you heard motivated you to get out of your seat and make your way down to the altar know that you saw a lot of things but when you saw Jesus work you knew that it was otherworldly you saw the bad report, you saw the x-ray, you saw where they were living, you saw what type of lifestyle they had and when you saw their life change, you knew that it had nothing to do with this earth, you knew that there was something greater going on beyond the veil and so it motivated you to change We respond to the gospel based on what we hear and see. If you think about your life and your conversion experience, it happened because of either something you heard or what you saw. How many can testify to that? There was something about that message. How how many have, you, you got saved, but you don't even remember the message, right? You responded to the gospel and you don't even know why. You repented of your sins and you didn't even know what repent means. <laughs> right? But how many know that just because you see something and hear something, it doesn't mean that you understand it? You can hear something without understanding it. You can see something. Without understanding, you can, when you see, if this whole section were to run out of these doors, you best believe, I don't have to understand. <laughs> I'm with y'all. <laughs> hey, In a in fight or flight, I'm a fight, but if this whole crew is running, y'all better follow me. Right? Because you don't have to understand to respond. When you hear something and you see something that is otherworldly, you tend to respond without understanding. But at some point, if you don't get understanding on what you hear and see, you will fall away. Oh, God. Seeing and hearing about the kingdom may convince you to repent, but understanding the kingdom will convince you to remain. Let me say it again. (laughs) Seeing and hearing about the kingdom may convince you to repent, but understanding the kingdom will convince you to remain. You know how many people have just simply responded to the gospel because of something they heard or they saw. And that is the motivation of the gospel is to get you to respond. And the way the reason why you respond is because you know that there is something behind what you hear. There's something behind what you see. You may not know or understand what it is, but you respond to it. But at some point in your Christian walk with God, you have to understand what you see. And hear because if you don't understand what you see and hear you will drift away this is what Matthew begins to highlight in Matthew chapter 13 the whole chapter is really about understanding the kingdom of God and so, so Jesus, he begins to start talking in this, in this chapter, and he tells us the story about the sower. And this is called a parable. Now, a parable, it literally just means to come alongside. It's, it's, it's a Greek word that means to come alongside. So it's, it's a parable. It pairs with. It goes alongside something. A parable is a, an analogy. It is an allegory. It's teaching you something deeper by telling you a story you can relate to. So Jesus begins to tell this parable about a sower that went out. Now, this is the very first parable that Jesus teaches, right? And he teaches it, and he says, a sower went out to sow, and a sower spread seed, and some fell upon hard path, some on stony ground, some on thorns and thistles, and some on good ground. He that has ears, let him hear. Now, (laughs) the disciples who have just started following Jesus are hearing a parable for the very first time, and they're like... (laughs) <laughs> what <laughs> like we get the miracles we get the great teaching that, that, that you are the rabbi but what does this have to do with anything have you ever heard somebody talk about something and you're, you're intently listening and then you realize like halfway through I have no clue <laughs> what this happened to me the other day There's a person talking to me and about midway through I went into la la land because I had no idea what bro was talking about <laughs> And I didn't have the heart to stop him and be like, "Fam, you lost me, dog." But this is what the disciples were doing. They were sitting there listening to Jesus, and Jesus was talking about all this stuff. They're like, "Yeah, yeah." And then he gets to this part, and they're like, "What?" So they pull him aside. He's in the middle of the sermon. You know, you always got that one student, Mr. Crier excuse me, what are you talking about? (laughs) This is what they, the disciples, they said, why are you teaching them in parables? Just make it plain. And Jesus says, they have ears, but they don't hear. They have eyes, but they can't see. I'm about to divulge the secrets of the kingdom. That's what Jesus says. I'm giving them the secrets of the kingdom, but but they don't get it because they have no understanding. So in order to get the secrets of the kingdom, you first have to grow in understanding. Because if you don't don't address understanding, you will miss the secrets of the kingdom and your life as a Christian will be shallow because you don't understand the secrets. So Jesus says, remember, I'm going to talk about the kingdom because the way that the kingdom is promulgated is through seeing and hearing. But seeing and hearing isn't enough. You have to grow in understanding. So so the disciples are like, all right, well, are you going to offer some clarity? So this is what Jesus Jesus does. Jesus then begins to explain to us what the parable of the sower actually means. And there there are three things, three ingredients in this parable. Number one is the sower. The sower is God or really anyone who is sharing the word of God or the words of the kingdom. So you have the sower. The second is the seed. The seed is the word of of God or the words of the kingdom. Now I want you to notice something real quickly. Did you know that the word of God comes to us in seed form? The word of God does not come to you as a fruit. It comes to you as a potential for fruit. What determines the fruit is not the Word of God, it's the soil. Oh, my Lord. That means you can hear the Word of God and walk away fruitless. (laughs) Because the soil wasn't in the condition. To receive the seed, let the seed germinate, sprout, and bring forth fruit. The word of God comes to us in seed form, meaning that it only comes to you with the potential for fruitfulness, not as a whole fruit. The word of God will do nothing for you unless it is planted, watered, and cultivated. This is why there are people who can read the word of God and their life never change because it's just a seed. This is why people can hear the word of God and it does nothing for them. Why? Because to them, it's just a seed. The word of God will produce fruit in your life if the soil is in the right condition. So the word of God. The words of the kingdom come in seed form with the potential for harvest, but not as a full harvest. It is up to us to take the seed, cultivate the seed, so that we may produce fruit. So Jesus begins to talk about the, 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 the ground, the soil, and the soil represents the heart. So the sower is God or anyone who is, who is sharing the words of the kingdom or the word of God. The seed is the word of God or the words of the kingdom. And the soil is the heart of those who interact with the seed. And let's define heart real quick, because the heart is a person's thoughts, will, emotions, and conscience. The heart in the Bible is not your physical heart that's pumping blood. It's the heart, it's the the mind, will, it's the deepest part of you, it's the mind, will, emotions, and the conscience of a person. And, And Jesus begins to talk about it. He says, listen, I want to divulge the secrets of the kingdom, but I can't talk about the secrets of the kingdom unless I'll talk about your heart first. Because the seeds are sown, not planted. Those are two different words. To be planted means to be dug up, to be buried, and to be covered. To sow means to put on top. So you have to understand how farmers used to sow in ancient times with Jesus. The way you would sow is a farmer would take a, uh, he would have a bag full of seeds and and a farmer would grab a handful of seeds and he would just throw it. He would just throw it on the ground. He would just throw wherever it landed, that's where it landed, but he would just scatter seed. He would sow the seed indiscriminately. He would just sow it, sow it, sow it, and then the farmer would go back and get his plow, and then he would plow the field that he sown, and the seeds that fell on good ground would germinate and produce fruit, but the seeds that fell on hard ground that couldn't be plowed up, they would just, the seeds would be taken away. So when you hear the word of God, It's just being sown. It's just sitting on top until you start plowing it into your own life. Oh, God. (laughs) You know how many people want immediate gratification? And Jesus says, the seed ain't even planted when you hear the preaching of God's word. It's just sitting on top until you Plow it into yourself. Wow. Woo, that's a revelation right there. Yeah. This means, this is why it's important to take notes and pray over the word that you hear. And go back and listen to it again. And read the passage of scripture that we're reading. Why? Because, because if not, it's just going to be topsoil. Yeah. 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 You got to plow it in. Yeah. So Jesus says, all right, I'm going to talk to you about four different types of hearts four different types of hearts that hear the words of the kingdom that if if the condition of the heart isn't right they're not going to receive the secrets of the kingdom so so we're going to do a heart check okay so uh several years ago i think i was like 30 maybe 31 uh, i was feeling great you know i felt like i was super healthy uh, Everything was right. I decided, hey, I'm going to do my annual physical. This time I need y'all to draw some blood, get my whole you know, my whole uh, panel read to me, see if there's anything else that I don't know about. Got the report back. And in my report, when I went to go see the doctor, the doctor said, you have high cholesterol. I said, that must be a hereditary thing. <laughs> Anybody blame your family when you... <laughs> No, I know i 'm healthy. I mean, I always eat my burgers lean. <laughs> I fry my stuff in olive oil. <laughs> I go with avocado oil i mean it 's not that bad. When I got that report, you can ask Denise, I was bothered. I mean it uh, this is the first time I ever got a report, a health report, that said that there's something I need to work on. And so, you know what I did? I said, "Well, I ain't gonna die from cholesterol. I started running, exercising, because when I saw that I had high cholesterol, I went to Dr. Google. <laughs> Anybody, Dr. Google? WebMD is the worst thing that could have happened to any one of us. High cholesterol, it said like, you about to have a heart attack (laughs) tomorrow. I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) Let me get on this elliptical. But the reality is, if I didn't check it, my cholesterol would have built up And if my cholesterol would have built up, it would have blocked my arteries. And then the blood that was supposed to flow through to to help my body would have clogged up and the very thing that was supposed to give me life would actually kill me if I didn't do a heart check. You know how many people get offended at the word of God? What's supposed to give you life is now clotting you up Because you haven't done a heart check. So we're going to do a heart check. So Jesus says there's four different types of heart. The first one is the type of soil, he says, is hard path. And this is what we would call the hard heart. Let's look at what Jesus said in Matthew 13, verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. The first type of heart that God, that Jesus addresses is the hard heart. This is the person that, this person represents the one that when they hear the word of God, it literally just bounces off. The word of God cannot penetrate because their heart, their heart is hardened. In other words, it looks like this. Their their heart has no place for the kingdom or the seeds of the word of God because their heart, the heart is hardened. That means it can't even permeate. And here's what happens when you have a hard heart. The enemy flies around seeking to snatch away the seeds of the kingdom. Did you know that because we're in the kingdom, we're always at war with the kingdom of darkness? Meaning that Satan is always going to oppose you from furthering the kingdom of God. He is hovering around like a bird waiting to see who can he snatch words from. Janice and I, when we were in Sri Lanka uh, working as missionaries, we, we... Of course, we had family there, so we ate a lot of Sri Lankan food. I'm talking wheat, curry, rice, fish, curry, rice, fish, curry, rice, fish. We ate a lot of Sri Lankan food. But every now and then, we would treat ourselves because there was a McDonald's. Anybody a McDonald's fan? Hey, it's 100% beef. Spelled with three E's. (laughs) But we would treat ourselves to go to McDonald's, and we would go in there. And I remember this one time we went in there. I got a double cheese, a Big Mac, some fries, a McFlurry. We only did it every now and then, so it was like this was the taste of America again. So we went in there and we ate, and we were happy, you know, because McDonald's makes you smile, puts a smile on your face. So. (laughs) So we're walking out, and I had in my hand a little carton of fries left, and man, we were chit-chatting and talking, and I was sitting there eating my fries with the right amount of salt, and out of nowhere, I felt something go, (laughs) slap me on the side of my face. I looked down. Yeah, it wasn't Janice. (laughs) (laughs) Snatched my my fries and I looked down and had no fries and when I looked up there was a dead gum raven Who had snatched my fries from me? And I was so angry I was about to go after him, but then he took off He'd snatched from my hands the very thing that was bringing me joy This is what Satan does to you Satan is waiting for someone to walk out of here with exposed seed so he can snatch it from me before it can germinate in your heart. This is why you got to check your heart and make sure that it's not hardened. Remember Pharaoh's heart was hard and when it was hard he saw miracles. Most of us will be easily convinced if we look down and see a river turn into blood. Fam, take them. (laughs) frogs, lotus, hail, hail, no. Take these people and get them. Right? But when your heart is hardened, even the demonstrations and the miracles and the signs and the wonders of God won't convince you of the kingdom. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 15, describing to the disciples, giving them more clarity. He says, for this people's heart has grown dull and with their ears they can barely hear and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. In other words, Jesus says, I've got healing for them, but because they're walking around. Somebody cover your ears real quick. I'm just messing with y'all. <laughs> some of y'all was like, I need to go get my ears checked. <laughs> but when you have your ears blocked, what you hear is muffled. And when what you hear is muffled, you can't understand. And if you have blinders on, if I take these glasses off, there's some blurriness. I can't make out a lot of stuff. And Jesus describes people with hard hearts as those who have their ears muffled and their eyes covered. The second type of heart that Jesus talks about, type of ground, he says is the stony ground. And this is the shallow heart. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 20, this is what Jesus says, for as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. You hear Elgin singing, and you buck You immediately receive the joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a little while. And then when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So immediately you receive joy, but immediately you fall away. Everybody's met this person. Come to church, hear the word, get excited, run to aisles, huckabuck shout, mess yourself up, hurt your back because you're shouting so hard. Walk out of here. Face a trial. And immediately, as quick as you had joy, you're down in the pits. As quick as you, you were shouting, you're now laying out of church. Because the ground is shallow. Why is the ground shallow? Because there are rocks in it. There are things in your life that are robbing you of depth. So you can hear the word and receive it with gladness, but then walk away because of trials and tribulations. Now, Now let me say, this is probably the hardest type of heart for a pastor to watch. Because I have seen people who get so excited and so full of joy. And they're, they're, you feel like, man, they're about to change the world because of just how glad they are with the word. But then when a trial comes, when they lose a job or they lose their car breaks down or or they sin. Because sometimes it's not trials and tribulations. Sometimes it's their own besetting sin. Then guilt and shame walks in. And then they're all of a sudden gone. And I feel so bad because I want them to have those stones removed. But God says, Jesus says, listen, when you hear the word of God and the soil isn't deep, you will. Then a trial comes. You want me to tell you how you get rid of trials? You don't. <laughs> if i could figure that out i'd be banking right now just off of that you can't get rid of trials and tribulations peter says they're coming think it not strange the fiery trials which are to try you Is those some strange things that happen they're coming the question is what condition is your soil because the wind is going to blow. Yeah. Right. And the storm is coming. Right. But the condition of your heart will determine whether or not the word of God has place in your life. Yes. Yes. Here's the third type of soil. And this is the thorny soil, the thorny ground, which can be called the crowded heart. Matthew 13, 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. These are people who slowly and surely, not because of sin, not because of trials and tribulations, but they just fade away. They use excuses in their life that replaces the supremacy of the kingdom. They cannot have the secrets of the kingdom because they get caught up in what they think are the cares of life and what they think are deceitfulness of riches. And so I'll get back to the word of God when I close this deal. I'll get back to church when my kids' sporting events start slowing down. Oh, I just got personal. And so people will fall away The seeds will not take root. Why? Because they are deceived by the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches. When I close this next deal, that's when I'll start doing things for God. When I find the right friends, that's when I'll, I I know that I've missed, I've missed, I've missed going to church for, for X amount of days. But when my schedule clears up and you are falling away from the kingdom because you're being deceived by the cares of life. Let me tell you, no amount of money is worth more than the secrets of the kingdom. No kind of sports is worth... More than the seeds and the secrets of the kingdom. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Then he says this, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day in its own trouble. You know the reason why most people walk away is because they're anxious about tomorrow. But if you give your tomorrow to the kingdom, God will take care of you tomorrow. And then. Jesus says, there's one type of ground, on that when they hear the word, it takes root. And this is the good ground. And this can be called the fruitful heart. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands. Mark says, accepts it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, and another 60, and another 30. Did you know in, in that time, fruitfulness was determined by tenfold. In other words, whatever you plant, if you get 10-fold harvest, that was considered successful. But in the kingdom of God, if you let the word of God germinate in your life, Jesus says that you will yield forth 60, 130-fold. In other words, you will harvest more through the kingdom than you ever will on your own trying to make it in this world without the kingdom. But you got to have good soil. you got to have the right heart. Your heart has to be in the right condition to receive the seeds so the seeds can be planted deep in your heart so that you can have a fruitful life. The reason why most people who don't have a fruitful life don't have a fruitful life is they haven't checked the condition of their heart when they hear the word of God. And we're about to do we're doing this series and we're going to talk about the secrets of the kingdom. But I wouldn't be a great pastor if I just dived into the secrets and didn't cause you to stop, pause, and check your heart to make sure that the soil of your heart is ready to receive the seeds of the kingdom. So what are the characteristics of good soil or a good heart? Number one, good soil is soft. It's soft. When your heart is hard, the word of God cannot permeate you. You have to have a soft heart. You have to rid your heart of the distractions and the deceitfulness of riches. You gotta get the stones out. You gotta get the the thorns out. You gotta allow your heart to be dug into. How How do you soften your heart? Humility. Submission. I'm my own boss. I'm a serial entrepreneur. A lot of times that's cloaking that you have a submission issue. (laughs) We all are gonna listen to somebody. The question is, do you recognize it or not? Because here's the here's the reality. You gotta have a soft heart in order for the word of God to do its work. How do you get a soft heart? It has to be dug. Into. It has to be plowed. It has to go through uncomfortability in order to be soft. You will be the most fruitful person if you will allow your heart to be softened through humility, through love, through the Word of God, through prayer, through doing stuff for others, not expecting anything in return. Second characteristic of good soil is good soil is deep. A soil that can handle a harvest is deep. Here's the tricky part about deep soil. When something is sown into deep soil, it goes way down deep where you can't see it before it ever comes up. Fruitfulness in the kingdom of God takes time. In other words, you got to be hidden before you can be seen. You got to go through isolation before you're you're in prominence. You got to go in the basement before you can get on stage. You gotta go deep. If God's gonna allow fruit, there's a difference between a bush and fruit. You can be a bush with with roots that don't go very deep, but you're not fruitful. You're not doing anything for anybody but being decoration. But a fruit tree produces more seed and fruits for other people but a fruit tree needs deep roots and so the ground of your heart has to go deep I want to have a deep heart I want to have a deep relationship with God I don't want to have a surface relationship I don't want to be a surface Christian I don't want to go through the motions of every Sunday just coming to church and walking away the same way that I walked in I want to have a deep relationship with God I want my prayers to be so deep that I start praying in the spirit words that I don't even understand I want to have a deep relationship with God so that I can go through trials and tribulations and still say that God is good. I want to go deep in the word. I don't want to just read my proverb and my psalm. I want the rhema of the word to give me revelation. I want God to start speaking to me. Give me words of, of encouragement and, and knowledge and wisdom and insight. I want depth to myself. You gotta, but you got to cultivate a deep heart. How do you keep a deep heart? It has to be dug into when was the last time your heart was dug into (laughs) here's the third thing good soil is pure good soil is rid of contaminants that would destroy the seeds sexual immorality deceitfulness of riches pride arrogance gluttony Vanity, self-promotion, gossip, frivolous lifestyle, uninhibited spending. (laughs) I could go on, but those are contaminants in your soil. The reason why some people who are great people can't produce fruit is because there are contaminants in their soil. You gotta get that out so that you can understand the secrets of the kingdom. It is Satan's job to try to contaminate your soil with stuff that you don't even realize chokes out the nutrients of the word of God. <laughs> and we come up with excuses for contaminants. <laughs> you know what I'm, saying? I don't, I'm not trying to gossip, I just I pray specifically so I just need to know specifically what's going on. (laughs) Stop playing. (laughs) Get rid of that contaminant. Self-promotion. Pride. Isn't our culture full of that right now? Oh my Lord. It's a contaminant to the kingdom of God because God will not compete with you. Let me rephrase that. You are no competition to God. You can build your own kingdom. But one day, every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. You can do it now or you can do it later. I'd rather be in his kingdom. Here's the fourth part about good soil. Good soil is fertilized. Anybody know what's in fertilizer? Doo doo. <laughs> Poop. Good soil, a good heart, knows how to take the doo doo that comes your way and turn it into something that fertilizes your faith. Good soil knows how to go through a trial and use it as motivation to give God glory. Good soil knows how to go through some crud in your life and turn it into the thing that fuels your faith. The question I'm asking you today to ask yourself is what condition is your heart in? Is it good? Is it crowded? Is it hard? Is it shallow? Because the secrets of the kingdom can't permeate anything other than good soil. And the only one that controls the soil of your heart is you. I control the soil of my heart. The word of God is going to be when you walk here on Sunday, pew, seeds are going out. Seeds of the kingdom, secrets of the kingdom are going out. But the fruitfulness of the kingdom, the secrets of the kingdom are dependent on the condition of the soil of your heart. Condition your heart for the words. Dear Jesus, oh, we thank you so much for the words of life from your book. We thank you for the words of the kingdom. We thank you that you want to divulge to us the secrets of the kingdom. And now help us to condition our hearts. Help us to soften it. Help us to deepen it. Help us to condition it. Help us to fertilize our hearts through prayer, through your word, through fellowship, through love, through the attributes of the spirit so that we're in the right condition to let the seeds of your word be planted in our hearts so that we may bear fruit of it. I thank you, God, for every person that hears this word. I pray that they would not be those that hear but do not understand or see, but are blinded. But I pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened so that we may know that we may understand the kingdom. We give your name, all the praise, all the glory, all the honor, because you're worthy of it in Jesus name. And everybody say, amen. Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash embassy city church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Urban. If you'd like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text embassycity, all one word, to 77977. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening today.